know there are different moments in life that catch you unawares and hearing our children sing I'm no longer a slave to fear <laughs> I tell you I'm one of the weird preachers that loves babies crying in the service because that just means there's life that's the good stuff I just enjoy it so much for you that are online for you in this room welcome we are in the middle of this series on our calling when Jesus defied death and came back to life his followers kind of had a what now moment and the that, that's why our calling that's why it's so significant because it's what we do it's how we think it's how we live I, I'm discovering this is this is the aftermath. It's how we move forward in the aftermath of Christ's resurrection and in the precursor to our own. It's just really, we, we got to know what this is, our calling. And as we await Christ's return, we, we talked about we, we are about making disciples and we are about loving neighbors and we are about serving sacrificially. And, and in the teaching this morning, we are called to shine brightly look at that first verse first john 1 5 god refers to himself as light look at that next one john 1 4 jesus is described as the life of light well look at the next one acts 2 3 you'll remember that this this particular time the holy spirit appeared as tongues of fire on his followers there seems in Scripture to be this direct link between God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, and light. And I'm not just talking about light, luminous light. I'm talking about light, knowledge, and truth, awareness, insight, understanding, light. You know, when he made it at the beginning, there was light. It was before he made the sun, moon, and stars. So we're talking about something that's deeper than just something that brings this physical, luminous moment. And this quality of light is also to be in us. Look at the word of God. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. It's a part of our calling to live as children of light. Look how Peter put it. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You all, there is an interesting contrast between God's kingdom and the kingdoms of this world. This is cool, because in the kingdom of this world, we move from day into night. A child is born, and they're young, and they're strong, and then they go through to their old age, and that strength begins to wane, and then it, 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 it goes down, and we move from life to death in the kingdoms of the world the kingdom the kingdom of god it's the exact opposite you guys have to look at this look at this when he started things genesis 1 beginning with verse 2 now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters and god said let there be light and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and then there was morning, the first day. So the day starts with the evening, 
and moves into the morning. With God, the night starts first. In all Jewish days, whether they're normal days or holidays, they all begin at sunset. With God and his kingdom, he moves from evening to morning, from darkness to light. Children of this world, why they move from daybreak to nightfall, whereas children of light move from dusk's darkness to dawn's first light. Jesus' resurrection moves from darkness to light, from despair to hope, from guilt to innocence, from tears to joy, ultimately from death to life. Every moment that we live on this planet is leading us to a dawn of new life. You know what the psalmist calls it? The morning of joy. We're moving into something that, oh my goodness, it's not going to be a dimly lit room with the ceiling falling in. We're gonna, it's going to be light. All right. Jesus wants us to shine brightly. So much so that he said it this way. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And what we've talked about in our calling thus far, especially when we talk about loving neighbors and serving sacrificially, those are definitely part and in line with good deeds. But there's another. Let me set this up. Before he became Paul the Apostle, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. And he moved from darkness to light. Ironically, it began when God got his attention with a blinding light. You remember your Sunday school story. Christ in Paul through the centuries, has been tremendously influencing and helping billions of people to move from darkness to light for the past nearly 2,000 years. One time Paul was writing a letter of encouragement to a young church plant in the city of Philippi, and he noticed there was something that was particularly hindering them from their light, from them shining as brightly as they might shine. We actually have a copy of this letter he was writing it when he was in prison in Rome around 61 A.D., about three decades after Jesus resurrected. Look what he wrote. We're starting in verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Paul says, now if you do this, you will move into the light of blamelessness and purity. You will shine out in a warped and crooked generation. Paul says, in fact, you will actually shine like stars in the, st in the sky in the dead of night. So you got to wonder, <laughs> what in the world is going to make me shine like that? Okay, this is what he said in verse 14, right before what we read. Look, do everything without complaining or arguing. 
Okay, does that hit you in the middle of the face just like it does me? Who would have guessed that this would have such a profound effect on how brightly we shine? God's Word says, you cut out the complaining and the arguing, and you'll pop out like stars at night. Eliminate the complaints and the arguments, and you'll bring fresh air to a polluted culture. By simply walking back, our complaining and our argumentative attitudes, our lives will become human torches that will actually help other people find Jesus. Another preacher named Jerry Shirley really exposed me on this. Look how he said it. Complaining is actually an outward sign that we aren't right with God inwardly. To swear is wicked because it's taking God's name in vain. To complain is wicked because it's taking God's promises in vain. You see, when we murmur about our life and circumstances, what we are really saying is, if I were in charge, I would do a better job than God. Murmuring is a bushel that will snuff out your light. Is this preacher on to something? Kathleen Parker once said, it is so much easier to fix blame than to fix problems. What kind of a fixer are we? John Wesley, the great English preacher from the 1700s, was considered a rather spiffy dresser. Did you know that? He kind of took, took pleasure in that, kind of duding out, looking good. He didn't wear untucked. He looked right. One Sunday morning, he wore a bow tie that had two ribbons that were a little longer than normal, that hung downward from the tie part. And after the sermon was over, a lady walked up to him and said, Brother Wesley, are you open to some criticism? <laughs> he said, well, I guess so. She said, the ribbons on your tie are entirely too long and inappropriate for a man of God. And so the woman took out a pair of scissors in her purse and cut the ribbons off of his bow tie right there in front of a, cr a group of people. And it was just people were stunned. And Wesley said, may I borrow your scissors? She said, all right. He said, ma'am, are you open to some criticism? She said, well, I guess so. And he said, then please stick out your tongue. Now, I take an evil little pleasure in that story. I don't know. I just kind of enjoy that. And I think that they were both guilty of a little bit of the complaining and the arguing. You guys, I don't know exactly how to explain this, but when we refuse to retaliate or when we choose not to complain even or argue, even in the face of opposition or pain, something happens and we shine we shine more brightly than we would if we did complain or we did argue or we did retaliate a former sergeant in the marine corps took a new job as a high school teacher and just before the school year started he injured his back requiring him to wear a plaster cast around the upper part of his body it fit underneath his shirt and it was completely unnoticeable well, on the first day of class, he found himself assigned to the toughest students in school, ones known for complaining and arguing. 
Not wanting their attitudes to be an issue, the Marine was looking for a way to shine his light and gain their respect. So he walked into the classroom, he opened up a window, and he sat down at his desk, and no sooner did he sit down, a quick breeze came through, and his tie came off of his shirt. And without missing a beat, he took the end of that tie, held it down, took the stapler off his desk, and and didn't act like anything was, nobody knew he had the cast under the shirt. Didn't complain, didn't react. Well, needless to say, there was silence as all the students watched, and somebody talked to him about it afterward, and he said, you know, that first year of teaching, I nary had a problem. Everything was fine the entire year. Refusing to complain or argue eases tensions. It diffuses anger. And it brings a calming light to everyone around. He was 92 years old, well poised, fully dressed, cleanly shaven, hair combed every morning by 8 o'clock, which was pretty amazing since he was legally blind. This day he was to move to a nursing home in light of the fact that his wife of 70 years had just recently passed away, making his transition necessary. After many hours of waiting patiently in the lobby of the nursing home, he smiled kindly when his orderly told him that his room was ready and told him to follow him. As he maneuvered his walker to the elevator, the orderly pointed, rather, he provided a visual description of his tiny room, including the eyelet sheets that had been hung over his window. But before he said anything more, the 92-year-old said, I love it, saying it with the enthusiasm of a kid that gets a puppy on Christmas. Uh, The orderly said, Mr. Jones, you haven't even seen your room. Just wait, Mr. Jones. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Happiness is something you decide on ahead of time. Whether or not I like my room doesn't depend on how the furniture is arranged. It's how I arrange my mind. I already decided to love it. It's a decision I make every morning. When I wake up, I have a choice. I can spend the day in bed recounting the difficulty I have with the parts of my body that no longer work or get out of bed and be thankful for the ones that still do. Each day is a gift. As long as my eyes open, I'll focus on the new day and all the happy memories I've stored away for this time in my life. Old age is like a bank account, he said. You withdraw from what you put in. So my advice to you, speaking to the orderly, would be to deposit a lot of happiness in the bank account of memories. And I want to thank you for your part in filling my memory bank. I'm still depositing. You guys, could it be that we really would shine more brightly if we just refused to complain and argue? Living in darkness That's not our calling. We're children of the day. And our day, our day is approaching. It's getting close. Father, in the name of Jesus, open our eyes to what you're doing. Let us be people that shine brightly, refusing to complain or argue, knowing that day draweth nigh. The morning is almost on the horizon. And what a morning of joy it will be. 
we sing to you.